Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is uh, Hear Me See Me podcast, and I'm Stuart Roberts, and today I'm talking to someone who I find absolutely fascinating. Um... He's a guy I've known for many years. I've known the family for many years, but he, he does this incredible work with um, grass root, grass roofs and um, putting uh, a bit of green into urban spaces and communities. And um, I won't say too much, but I'll let him say it himself. Today I'm talking to John Little. Hello. Hello, Stu. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Yeah, really good. Um, I, it's, obviously, I, I, I've known you for a long time and... I've known what you do, but uh, I've only just really had a good, good look at your website. And, it, and seeing it on there, it's just incredible, the stuff that you do. I, I think it's amazing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've been lucky, I guess, Gene. I've had an opportunity. And, uh, you know, if you get, if I've always had the interest and, and, I've always, and now I've had the opportunity. So uh, we've been, you know, really fortunate. So I, sp- yeah. I suppose... I suppose the whole, the, the, everything's based around, uh, everything starts from the environment and plants, uh, and, uh, and all that we do really is, is, it comes off of that, you know, that it's like a pool, yeah. it's like a, uh, it's, 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 it's something you use to change places for people, I guess. Yeah. That's the fascinating yeah. I mean, uh, that's what really drew it, the community aspect of it really um, uh, drew, drew me to it and, and made the appeal for me. Um, but it, it's been, it, you know, it, you didn't come from that background, you know, because a lot of people come from that background. I, I remember your family from when I was a kid, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the shoe shops, and uh, you know. So where, take me right back to where you first got into, the, you know, this type of world. Well, I, I suppose I was I, I was one of them weird kids that was, in, that was interested in wild plants very early on so I, which must have been slightly bizarre for, for, uh, for <laughs> the people around me uh, I mean thankfully 57 years later I'm uh, now in fashion which is good but uh, at the time back then it was definitely not a thing to be talking about or doing so yeah. I, I guess I'd always say plants wild plants in particular but plants and and uh, you know I'm gardening off the back of that as is in my guts I guess yeah. and, uh, and and uh, I, I sort of I'd always had that as a hobby, and I, I sort of took the easy life and fell into retail, which is what my family did. Mm-hmm. So we, we sold shoes, and we had mm-hmm. three shoe shops in the end. Um, 
and I, I, I fell into that. And, 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 but, but then, on the other hand, retail was a really good training for me. I mean, I don't know, hairdressers must know this, but uh, most of my job really is, is how you deal with the people that you work with and how you deal with the people that you're working for. Yeah. And uh, uh, retail is a really good training for that, and I'm guessing hairdressing is probably very similar. Yeah. Um, so, and, and uh, that's at the crux of everything, really, is, is that connection with people. Uh, everything else comes off that, I guess. So most of what we've done, I guess, has come as a reaction to what people have talked to us and said to us. It hasn't really been a, a completely original um, ideas. It's always been a, a kind of a, uh, you know, a spin-off from what people have come up and spoke to us about. And certainly the housing estate that we looked after for many years, um, that that for sure was, was all about that. And uh, I guess that's why we, we, we were so adamant to, um, to change the way that uh, people look after social housing estates. Um, that, that, that was one of the things that uh, was, was completely... Uh, well, I guess... One of the things that I've noticed is that when you start looking into procedure and specification and, and tradition, when you start actually finding out about this stuff, you realize most of it, or a lot of it, is completely bonkers. So, for instance, the housing estate. So we, we, were, we tended for the ground maintenance, which, I mean, immediately you say ground maintenance, it sends people to sleep. It's, and and it, should, it shouldn't be a maintenance. It should be, it should be caring should be caring for places, caring for the places yeah. is what makes them. Um, but as soon as you look into it, so when they gave us the contract, I mean, you know, if ever you want to get off to sleep, you can look at a ground maintenance contract. It's all, <laughs> it was all about, it was just all, it's all numbers. So you cut the grass this many times, you can, you, you don't have more than 30% weed cover, you spray with herbicide four times a year, three times a year, whatever. Yeah. So the whole contract was all about the numbers. There wasn't a mention of the people that lived at the place and oh. what they would want. And uh, it, 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 it was completely mad. Um, so, so we sort of had a, a, a blank canvas. And this, is, this has happened to me on, on, on several occasions, uh, which you know, maybe we'll talk about later. But several times I've looked into how things generally work, how government work, how policy and how specification is. And you realize I, one is usually it's the same as it was 20 years ago or it's an easiest way or, or, or basically it's the less humane way. <laughs> that seems to me right. what it was. Yeah. And uh, the housing estate was, was definitely that. So the, the grounds maintenance, the contract is the crucial thing because if, if you don't change the contracts and the specification then when someone keen like me disappears, then you end up defaulting back to the contract and then, you, then you, you, you've done nothing. So you've got to change the system, I guess, and, and the contract is, is crucial. Because, and the other big thing about the, the social housing contracts is that you, everything in the contract you need ear protection for. Right, so this is the right. maddest thing. So, so everything you do, you you cut grass, you trim hedges, uh, you you spray herbicide. Well, okay, you don't need ear protection, but you need protective clothing. Um, so basically, everything that was in the contract, you had to have ear protection on. And when you've got ear protection on, you can't talk to anyone, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean. You, so <laughs> what? What people, what people really want is they want gardeners on their working around where they live and they want people there 
that they can walk up to and talk to and say, I don't like this stuff out the front. I'd like to grow some food or I'd like to have some flowers instead of shrubs or blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. that's, that's what a contract should have in it. It should be all about what people want. Because if people want the place to look, the grass to look really long and tat, but, in fact, but they'd like a load of flowers on the edge of that, then that's fine, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why should we have a, a fact that says, you know, you've got to cut it every two weeks? Yeah, I yeah. suppose it's, it's, it's the thing of if you want them to take ownership, you've got to, they've got to have a say. Yeah, yeah. So the ownership thing, that's a really interesting point. Now, it's always, as soon as you mention community and you mention gardens and stuff, it's always about, oh, well, you know, the residents come out and do everything. You know, that's what we want. We want the residents to come out. But that's true. We want the residents to come out and engage and, and do stuff that they want to do. But what we don't want the residents to have to do is to work to make the place a half-decent place in the first place. So the, right. the, yeah. you need, you need to, there needs to be paid people to make it a decent place. It's the minimum we should do in a, on a social housing estate. To make it a good place, then people come out and then people can do the nicest stuff, you know what I mean, and, and all the interesting stuff. It kind of tops up what hopefully is a decent place already. Do you see what I mean, Stu? So yeah, of course. All, and, and anything we've done, all the nice stuff we've done as contractors, people always assume it's residents that have done it. That's how bad our system is. So anything right. good or nice, they think it's not the council or not the contractor, it's the residents. And although that's, you know, that can happen and obviously does happen, that's a sad indictment on, on the way we look after you know, social housing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, the yeah, only cool. nice can't be us that's doing it. You know, that's the, that's that's a really sad thing. So, so we spent 18 years at, uh, at Clapton Park Estate in, in uh, Hackney, which I absolutely loved, and I'm sort of missing it now, even though we only gave up in March. Um, but what we have done is one is the green space became. And important enough to to the residents for them to change the name of the estate. So the the, the estate now, well, it's not completely changed. But it's Clapton Park Estate, the Poppy Estate. So they um, they, they from, because we started to grow flower, wildflowers, especially poppies, all around the railings and stuff. And we came, the estate became well known for that. They yeah. and that was such a lovely thing. The fact that they'd want to change the estate purely yeah. on the back of what was a grounds maintenance contract? Do you know what I mean? That's the, that's yeah. the cool thing. Uh, and the other really nice thing was that they they asked us to um, to write the new contract. So we're the we're the contractors leaving, and they asked us to write the new contract. So I spent a lot of time writing a very detailed contract um, that I'm really hoping. I don't know yet; it's early days, but I'm really hoping that the mainstream contractor that's gone in there now. He's going to be sort of obliged to, to, to stick to, obviously, because it's a contract. Yeah. Uh, and I think once they start to get, start to run an estate and run the maintenance contract like, like we've done, they, they, they then start to realize how, how amazing it is as a job and then how much nicer it is for the people that are working for the contractors as well, you know, for the guys on the ground. Can you imagine yeah. if you just had a section on and we're just cutting grass and trimming edges all day? It's a yeah. crap job. 
It yeah. isn't a good job. It's not gardening and it's not nice. You know, the, all the other things that we did were the nice stuff. Yeah. The basic stuff, not so nice. Um, so I'm really hoping it's going to work so that people living there get what they want, crucially, and the people that are working on the estate, their job becomes a slightly better job and a, a, a decent job to have and a rewarding job, of course. You know. hey, that must have been really so, hard to let go of that. And then to uh, yeah, it was. hand that over. It, it was, and I did. I became slightly obsessive. I, I mean, I, I wrote out a detailed description for every one of the 120 bits of green space which we looked at. <laughs> uh, so the, the contractors wow. must be really pissed about. They must be really pissed about me right now. I bet they love you. Uh, yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's up to them, mate. Yeah. They've signed. They've signed. I mean, not to say that they won't try. I mean, not to say, I don't know what's going to happen. And I mean, the, no. the contract is a very well-known contractor, and I'm hoping, and they, 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 they are, they are, uh, they were very keen, and I'm, I'm really hoping that they, uh, they pull it off. Because if they pull it off, that's the big thing. If they make that contract work commercially for them. Uh, and 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 go with the contract. Then we can start rolling this out into other social housing estates. Yeah. It's no good just people like me flapping about in an odd estate. It's the same yeah. way as it's no good for me piddling around in my garden like I do when I can't yeah. change the highways or the farming or you know it, it, you, yeah. you've got to have some changes the bigger picture. Otherwise, you, it's, it, otherwise it's just a hobby. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, you know, night and your you know your garden is an amazing, and it was great because on the website I could see the aerial views of it. And when you're standing in it, you don't really take it as much as you, you can see from above. I mean, that aerial view is amazing, and you know, yeah. and as you say, it's, it, it, if it isn't rolled out, it just becomes you've got a lovely garden. That exactly, you know, <laughs> and the, the legacy of, of of you know, if you, if you do that wonderful job in that house and, stuff, and it doesn't get you know if, if it does go back yeah. it's, it's, it's a tragedy you know uh, and it's got to be moved well, on but, you, but there's no way you're going to make it work unless you get the system changed you know what I mean there's no way yeah. that that would exist I don't think unless it's written into the contract at least to start with at least mm. to start to try and get more it, it become more of a mainstream thing so the other cool thing is that we we, we, the quality control, the quality control of the contract normally is people going out and measuring with tape measures just to check, you know, that the grass is not too long and blah, blah, blah. Well, the quality control is purely based on residents' comments now, which oh, is Yeah. You see what I mean? So that if, they, if, they're, if they're happy for me to spend more time on, on planting flowers than cutting grass, happy day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what that one. And, of course, it varies depending on what block you are. So some blocks that we worked on liked it neater, and some blocks were a bit wilder. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. And that you only get individuality that. as well, didn't it? I should imagine that it, it, yeah, it, it, it it's not too uniform for a whole estate, and it, it becomes, you know, like yeah, it breaks it up for them. Yeah, and 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 of course you only get that when you take ear protection off and talk to someone. You yeah. don't get it if you just go in and, and cut the grass and run off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and of course, this is, this is I mean, the, the housing estate is just a, a, a one example of this, this the, the whole system of, of things not being people-focused, not being about the people that actually uh, are living next to the spaces that are either being designed or being looked after. And uh, um, I personally think 
because we, we can always, another example of it is the fact that we can always get money for building stuff. So if we go, we, we got lots of funding because it's a, it's a relatively deprived area. It ticked a, a few boxes. So we could, we could get funding to build things, you know, all the time, pretty much, uh, which is okay. But you can never get money to look after the stuff that has been built. This is the bizarre. This is another thing about the system yeah. that's mad. Then only get that's not sustainable, stuff. is it? That's, you're just going to keep no. building stuff, and then it's just going to fall into disrepair, you know. And I bet a lot of people who might listen to this know where they've had a wildlife garden built in a school, for instance, or a community garden built. And all these things, there's loads of, loads of people come out, parents and teachers, and it's all, you know, it's great. And they, you finish, you get a nice picture, the mayor comes out, holds a stainless steel yeah. spade, and everything, <laughs> everything. That, 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 and, that, and then, of course, about six months later, there's a geezer there on £9 an hour with a strimmer. And he's yeah. the guy who's looking after it in the end because all the other all the other things might have gone. You know, they don't last yeah. necessarily. I'm not saying all, obviously, but, but there's a big majority yeah. of them. So what we tried to do in the end was sort of play the system slightly in that we would keep some money back somehow. Now we're not supposed to have done this, of course, but yeah. keep some money, back. and then to pay a community gardener or, or just someone who could come in regularly and work with residents to make the space, keep it rolling, you know what I mean? And, and work yeah. with people and be, be a paid person to have an obligation to make that space work. Because without that, there's no point keep building pergolas and God knows what else you're going to do. You know, it, it, it's pointless. Yeah. And, and, and I also feel it's a, there's a certain arrogance always in, in, in because funders love to just, here's the design, here's what you should have. And uh, let's get the picture, you know, get a few of the community in standing in the picture and then they've done their job. And that, that, isn't, a, that isn't a job. That's, a, that's just a, a kind of a facade, really. So we should spend, I think, I, I, I mean, 50-50. I think you should spend 50 but If you get some funding, it should be 50% on building the thing and 50% on a, some sort of legacy to pay someone to look after it yeah. with the community. That, that is the best money you can spend and you're giving it directly to usually a local person and that money's going straight in their pocket other than yeah. that you're, you're, you're you know you're spending it on paving or, or another you know and i, I mean I, I i again i'm i'm guessing this because i can't speak for everyone but the impression i get is that residents would much rather have someone there that is gardening and caring for a place just doing the basic stuff and making it look nice. They don't need another pergola most of the time. You know, they don't need more infrastructure a lot of the time. They just need the place outside where they live look like it's cared for. That, that's the impression I get. And, and that's where the money should start to go, I think. Yeah. But it's, but it's it, you know, you're, you're sort of swimming against the tide with that one, aren't you? Yeah. You know, because... Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> When you first, any boxes, <laughs> no, and when you first said it, when you said that it's all about the, the contract, and, and then to get a, a council, I mean, I'm only going from my experience from the things that I've done, but like to, to get them to rethink policies and things like that, God, yeah. I don't, I'm amazed you even managed it in the first place. So, well, the only reason we did, though, to be fair to you, is that the, the, the housing estate that we look after, and that, and, and also it's the only reason we, we were there was that it was a, a TMO, so it was a tenant-run estate. 
So these, oh. these TMOs, they were, they were kicked off in the 90s. It was a really interesting initiative where um, estates had the opportunity to, in effect, to opt out of council control and, and literally run their own estate. So it's one step up from the TRA, in effect. Right. So, so that means that the, the Captain Park estate is still run by a resident board and, a, and obviously a big professional team of people that, that run the estate. So they're in charge of the whole budget for the estate. Right. Um, so they were the people that, that's the only reason that we were there as a small contractor, because of course we, we couldn't have looked, we couldn't have tendered for the whole of Hackney, for sure. So right. the only reason we were there was, and, that, and, and that, those initiatives, that's why those little initiatives to give power back to communities are so important, because they can impact on more than just uh, uh, the direct, um, uh, more than you think, anyway. You know, so that the fact they were given control was the fact that we was able to get there. We were able to work with them, and hopefully now we've changed the contract. Or between us, we've changed the contract. So, so the TMO, uh, you know, it's it, 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 it's crucial. And then they have they have they do have as best they can have control over what happens. You know, um, how many sort of of these would there be around the, the country? Is it, is it a yeah, yeah, there's a fair thing. few. Yeah. yeah, not common, not as common. And of course, unfortunately, as you can imagine, uh, to, to, to get people to commit to, to um, their time and energy to, to help run an estate, which is a big responsibility for volunteers, obviously, these are just residents, um, then it's really hard. And, quite, and there's a fair few that failed, obviously, like, like a lot of communities. Um, yeah. You know, these, these are things that happen. But... Maybe that's just a reflection on the way we, the way they were helped. Maybe they need more help. Maybe there's a, the system doesn't work properly. You know what I mean? Maybe they need yeah. a little bit more professional help and stuff to get going. I don't know what the reasons are entirely, but anyway, Clapton Park is still going strong and, uh. It's um, proves it works. So it can be done. Yeah. 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 It's a great place. And, uh, and so I guess that this, 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 this whole thing of when you start looking into stuff it's the same as um, um, when I started fiddling around looking into this the A13 here and, and uh, when this is you know as you know probably Stu the A13 is being widened um, and yeah, um, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and, in the uh, traffic jams <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, and the, the, so the, the other, the, the big thing is when, when you've got any of these, you know, like the total maintenance contracts are one thing. If we can change them and get them moving out, that's great. And then any big infrastructure work, like, for instance, the A13, I mean, that's a pretty radical change in the landscape for, a, for the borough of Thurrock. It, it's yeah. got to be one of the biggest pieces of new landscape in Thurrock. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah. So, so um, we, uh, I, once, when I started to look at the thing and see how it works, um, it turns out that when they decide to widen the road, obviously all the vegetation and all the, the, uh, the wildlife and everything else either side of the road that they're widening gets trashed, obviously. Yeah. You can't physically widen the road without doing that. So there's a big emphasis on finding out what's there and they send loads of ecologists in and they put lots of you know, little plastic fences up to catch newts and various other things. So there's a big thing to find out what's there. So there's money goes into finding out what's there, a lot of money. Now, yeah. this is a, quite a debate, but um, that 
you know, they find out what's there and then they, they make an attempt to move some newts and they make an attempt to sort of mitigate some of the destruction that's going to go ahead. So right. now whether or not that makes any sense and, and whether or not much of that is successful is a big question. But anyway, we leave that aside. There's basically loads of people involved in, in um, checking what we're going to destroy. You know what I mean? Right. So there's loads yeah. of information about what you're going to destroy. Yeah. Then when they make new embankments, which are now, obviously, you know, so you've got a whole new landscape now just sitting there. Now, the yeah. potential to make that a really incredible place for wildlife is huge. So we know what wildlife likes. And uh, if we could make those embankments become better than they were before, right? But it turns out, this is what I've found out in since, is that there's virtually no ecologists involved in the design of the new landscape. So it, it, the, the new landscape see, gets left mostly to engineers and planners. Right. So right. it's absolutely bananas. It's bananas. You know, so we yeah. spend all that money finding out what we're going to trash, and we, you know, and yeah. basically it's because of an obligation under law. Yet out of a scheme that costs hundreds of millions, which is what this road wine is costing, we can't spend any time on designing what is virtually the biggest piece of new landscape in Surrey. So we, right. where, where's the ecologist, where's the entomologist, where's the emphasis on how good the new design could be? There's none, virtually. So that's a whole system change that needs to be looked at. I mean, because we, we're under the illusion, I think this country is very, we're very good at preserving stuff that's, that's already there. So we've got a tradition of conserving nature reserves, haven't we? And we're very good at yeah. that. Yeah. The big yeah. volunteers that do that, and that's an incredible job. But these are becoming these nature They are like mini museums, really. And, and, and though, although they need to be protected, obviously, the, the only place that we've got potential for creating more value for wildlife and slowing down the biodiversity loss is to make sure any new landscape that we create especially on any scale is the best landscape that we can possibly do it feels to me like with the, with the, the crisis you know the biodiversity crisis and climate change all those other things that has to be a priority because they are going to be building new roads they are going to be building loads more houses especially in the corner this corner of England we live in yeah. um, so we're not going to stop that very easily, that's for sure. And, and who's to say we should stop it? You know, we do need a lot more affordable houses. That's if they actually build any affordable houses. Yeah, but, yeah of course. Um, so if this has got to go ahead, we need to make sure that the landscape around those houses and on the sides of the roads and around the edges of farmers' field is the best landscapes we can do. And at the moment, there's a tiny emphasis on making sure that happens. So that system is just, well, mad. And and uh, and people say, oh well, you can't, you know, you can't be, you know, there's all these ancient meadows and these ancient woodlands. You can't recreate that. Well, you can't recreate exactly the same. But what you can do is create a place that becomes incredibly important for wildlife really, really yeah. quickly. So, for like, instance, yeah, sorry. I'm getting excited about it. I'm just, I'm just excited. I can see like the banks, you know, and you get this curve, yeah. like, these token trees bunged on it at the end. 
And uh, then I can see, well, I've seen in your garden, then see that all banked out. And a lot of, yeah, I'm going to let you go on to that, sorry. I just was no, brilliant. No, no, yeah, no, sorry, no, you no, carry no, on. No, I mean, it, 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 uh, it, it, what, what, what I was trying to say <laughs> is that we, we, we sort of underestimate, we always underestimate how good we can make a landscape. Now, yeah. there's a brownfield site, for instance, down at Candy, Candy Week, the bug life, um, well, they manage now, but it was essentially, it was just a, uh, an ex-industrial site um, that was left for about 40 or 50 years. Now that has become the best, the third best, most important site for invertebrates in the country. Now that includes all your fancy ancient forests and meadows and triple SI sites and all those things. That is the third most important. And that has happened, right? This was a factory, this was a petroleum place. This, that has right. happened in 40 to 50 years. And that has happened without us designing or thinking about anything. We've just walked away from a site and that's happened. So can you imagine how good we could make a landscape if we designed, yeah. we know what makes those brownfields so cool, if we designed a landscape based on the, 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 the brownfield examples that we already know about, imagine how good that would be. You know? Oh, the potential. I see it. Yeah. And now, and the other thing is, of course, that to make those landscapes, Often you require, you know, it, 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 to, to make them really work, you want a bigger scale thing and you require some machinery and you require some heavy stuff. Well, of course, when they're riding a road, man, they have got the biggest stuff yeah. in the world, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, they it's all there, isn't it? Just, <laughs> it's, as you're still saying it, it's such a no-brainer, isn't it? It's like all there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so, and so, so some of the stuff, you, like the stuff that they then have to pay to get rid of, they're used. Yeah, of course, and this is this is leads on to the next thing. So, so they right. they essentially they they take they scrape all they they take all the trees they 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 chip all the trees up, take all that off, they dig all the roots up, and then they're left with some topsoil, which they take off and they put in a corner of the site, which you probably might have seen on the XRT. And then they spend yeah. their life scraping the vegetation that tries to keep growing on it because they can't have that keep regrowing because it's difficult to move again. Anyway, so that's going on right in the background. They've got this pile of topsoil ticking over in effect. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, then they, then they uh, reprofile the embankment. Now, along the A13, that's a sandy place. So there's three different sands along there. Um, there's a sanded sand, a glacial sand, and a ballast. Now, I know uh, most people, obviously, this is, this is a bit niche, but you'd have to take my word for it. Sand banks that face south are one of the most important places for invertebrates. And, of course, if they're important for invertebrates, they're important for every other wildlife because everything is, is reliant on bugs to make it all work. So we're already famous in this area for what's called the Thames Terraces, so these these are these are the terraces that run down to the Thames. So they're essentially gravel and sandbanks that face south that that run down to the Thames. Now they are nationally important for, for wildlife. So we've built we've widened the A thirteen now, right? We've scraped the embankments back. What have we done? We've got an east west road, we've got one side of the of the road facing south. So we've now got the most perfect Thames terrace, right? So we've created an amazing place for wildlife. Now, for some reason, and I'm still, this is still ongoing, uh, although we have sort of lost the fight now, but um, 
for some reason, they decide to then move all the topsoil that they've got sitting there and, and put it all back on the bank. Uh, right. Now, as soon as you do that, you then you then take away what is could have become one of the most amazing places for wildlife. Now, don't ask me why. I think that the, 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 the topsoil thing is a bigger question in, in general because I think anyone you talk to, obviously, who's a gardener or is someone, even the, you know, people who are not interested in gardening, they always assume that you need topsoil to create amazing places and you need topsoil to do gardening and topsoil is the answer. Um, well, topsoil obviously is vitally important and it's even more important now that we get the topsoil to the places that are really needed, which is farmers' fields to grow food, it could be allotments, it could be all the places that we really need topsoil that's, that's vital to us because the topsoil's degrade. I mean, farmers' fields now, especially the arable land around parts of the southeast, are degrading so quickly and they need tons of fertiliser on them to make them work. So instead of using it in those places, we decided to put it back on top of what could have been the most, the best, one of the best wildlife sites. Now, um, the logistics of all this and, and, and whether there's, a, there's a, a good enough reason yet, yeah, I'm still to find out. We're still ongoing with that. But what seems to me is, is missing here is that as soon as you decide to make a new landscape, as soon as you have any construction or any big infrastructure work, the new landscape, the landscape that you're going to leave is the mo- one of the most important places and is the only place to potentially to increase biodiversity on any scale, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You can yeah. preserve places. We're already preserving places, aren't we? But you, but you, the, 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 the wildlife just turns up. If you, if you create the right habitat for stuff, it just arrives. And uh, we, we really underestimate. There's another place in, I don't know any, any if your listeners have ever been to, the Barnes Wetland Centre in the west of London. So that right. essentially was a, a bunch of reservoirs. So they were deep-sided, you know, basically places that were there to store water, obviously. Uh, and there was obviously wildlife there, but nowhere near the amount. So now the Wildfire and Wetlands Trust took it over and they... All they did really, well, I say all they did, it was an amazing scheme, but they basically reprofiled the site so that they made lots of shallow, sloping, various different depths of water. They just messed around with the, the profiling of the place to create a variety of landscape and topography. And now, of course, very quickly after uh, they actually did this, it's now become nationally important for wetland birds. So... There's example after example. I mean, take gravel pits and chalk pits, for instance. For instance. Yeah. There's another thing. We, we, had a, we have quite a few of. Um, nearly, nearly 25% of the triple SI sites, so triple SI is, the, in effect, the most important wildlife sites in the country. Nearly 25% of them are on old chalk pits and gravel pits and mineral extraction. Right? So right. there we, so we've, we've trashed the place. And then we've just left it, and now it's the best place for wildlife. So you can you see what I mean? There's, the, the evidence is all around us. But for yeah. some reason, we, we can't get away from the topsoil thing. Because gravel pits and chalk pits are really good because they're generally sand and chalk without soil right. on top of them. Do you see what I mean? That's why they're so good. They're not places that have rolled out the foot of topsoil on. So, so is it too late? And it's so it's too late now because you're already a first time client. Well, we 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 started 
contacting uh, the council and, and we had some dialogue with Kia and various other people a, a year or so ago. Uh, and, and, and about three weeks ago, they've rolled all the topsoil down over all the sand. Um, and I'm, I'm just in the process of trying to find out, at least trying to find out why that was and what, what you know, what, what on earth reason w- would that make sense? Um, when, when what, that, that topsoil, I know there, there's, certain legis- there's certain legislation that says you can't just move topsoil straight onto a farmer's field. There's probably paperwork that needs to be filled out. But let's be honest, there's a farmer's field right next to the embankment, right Literally, the digger yeah. could have reached the topsoil pile and chucked it over the fence. That's our question. Yeah. Now, how would it not make sense to put it on a place where we're going to grow food? I, I know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's it. So it's, I think what I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to say in a very long roundabout way is that, uh, that it's exciting because potentially we can really create good places, but at the yeah. moment, there's no system in place to allow that to happen very easily. Or, or certainly we're not in, it's not encouraged anyway. Let's, let's put it that way. Well, it goes back uh, to your, your re, you know, you've got to rewrite the contract and it, it goes back to that very beginning that you've got yeah. to change the thinking and maybe yeah. if it's too late for this particular site, the lesson can be exactly. learned for all of the new so, you know it's not the it's not the last thing that's going to be built no, uh, no. you know and on that scale and it would it probably would have ended up you just got a better product and it would have saved the money in the long term well this is what I can't understand yeah well mind if it costs a lot more but it sounds like it's a lot more cost effective well if you imagine so they've, they've, they've had to, they've reprofiled the bank with the subsoil and they've had to take away 200 mil extra of subsoil, take it right off site and, yeah. and it has to be lorried away, right? So they've had to take away 200 mil of extra subsoil, which must cost, surely oh. cost more to get rid of than topsoil. And then yeah. that's just to allow them to put the topsoil back on. So how does that, so monetary wise, I can't work it out. Why, why would that be? No. Anyway, these are things that might, I might find out at some stage. And um, uh, yeah. but, but I think, I think there's definitely room to, to start putting some emphasis on you want more ecologists and entomologists and, and ecological design. You want more emphasis on the, what's going to happen then than you do in a lot of respects on what you're going to trash. Because let's be honest, yeah. you're going to trash it. And most of the time it's going to go, and no matter what sort of mitigation you think you, you, you're going to do by moving some newts to another site, most of those new sites are never as good. So it, I think it's, 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 it's playing a game, but it's not being realistic. And I think that's the thing that needs to maybe shift with any luck. Yeah, I mean, and the, the evidence is there from what you've said about the industrial site that was left alone for 40 years and not what happened to it. Yeah. So, yeah. but you, you know, I suppose it's people want the neat and tidy, the, the neat tidy up at the end of the project. Yeah. They're not well, willing yeah, to wait the, the decades to establish, you know, they just want that. I understand. I understand yeah. that, Sue. thinking you, again. Yeah, but you know as well as I do. I mean, I, we found out on the housing estate that we always assumed that people always wanted neat, but if you gave them the contrast of neat and the wild stuff they loved, you don't, yeah. you know, so for instance, on the A13, I'm not suggesting maybe that we, 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 we don't put any topsoil. We could put topsoil on part of the bank. We could leave some of it yeah. on the sand bank. We could start to reuse the materials that were already there. So, for instance, they, 
they put in a temporary roadway made out of crushed brick and concrete while the project was going on. Well, that material is an incredibly important material for invertebrates. So we could have used that, for instance, underneath the signs, all along the sight lines, all the places where you wanted the vegetation to stay low because you, you spend your whole life cutting the vegetation down around the signs and the sight lines. So we could have reused that material on site and made a more diverse landscape. This is the thing I, I don't I don't quite understand. This, it doesn't seem, it, so it needs to it just needs to have some thought, doesn't it? And and yeah. have some input people who might be able to help. I'm not saying it's as simple as I'm making it out. I understand. Of course not. But it's worth but, it's worth the, it's worth the, the effort, isn't it? You know, for you know, compared to well, what you could have to what you end up with, it's it's worth yeah. at least the conversation, isn't it? You know. Yeah, well, and, and of course, and we, because we, I, I knew the haulier who was taking all the sand away, and uh, he's just starting to store it on his site locally. And um, so what I, tried, what I did in the autumn of last year, I bought the sand. I mean, let's be honest, when I say bought, it was incredibly cheap because he doesn't know what to do with it all. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, I had, and I'm lucky enough, as you know, to have space here. So we, we made a new garden, which we're obviously calling the A13 garden. And, that, yeah. this is, and we made it out of 60 tons of the split between the three different sands. So the three sands off that site, we put in the garden. And when you was here the other day cutting our hair, that's yeah. the garden you were looking at. And it don't look too bad, does it? It looks amazing. <laughs> you know I mean? It looks amazing, yeah. Right? And there's no... no. You can stick your stripey lawns. I'll have one of them any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so no topsoil at all in the garden, just the sand. And, and, yeah. and you know, so you haven't got to worry about stuff growing. Stuff grows, believe me, in, in, in what you put. Yeah. So what we're doing now is, with the three different sands, we're, we've got a really good friend who's an entomologist. He's surveying the different sands to see what wildlife prefers what sand what 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 insects nest in what sand and how the garden performs and then we could have if they'd have left us a section of the a13 we could have related some of this experience back and and yeah. that could have dictated maybe the seed mix or the topography or it could have just been a it could have just been a, such an interesting example that could have kicked off a debate about highways yeah. in general you know and, I, think, uh, I think it's really ironic as well that you've done all of that within a stone's throw of the age. It's almost yeah. like Jim Bowen, isn't it? This is what you could have had. Yeah. Like, you know, and, you, and, and you can the see other it thing, from there. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. sitting here looking at the other thing. Yeah, yeah. And the other big thing is that we, this garden, where we are, so we're about a mile from the road, aren't we, here? And so yeah. we're on heavy clay. So underneath all this is really heavy clay. Now, when we brought the sand and, and the construction waste and the other materials we've used in to mimic Broughford, loads, most of the species that we've attracted in weren't, they weren't in our garden at all. And they were at least a mile away because the sand starts about a mile from our house. Now, we've just dumped little miniature piles of sand and construction waste in the scale of things in our garden that was a clay, that's on clay and we've attracted in tons of species now that are only will only come here because of the sand and the construction waste they wouldn't be here otherwise so that's within a few years now can you imagine what the a13 would have been like that's oh. already on sand so all those species would have been around there yeah. and then you've just given them the biggest piece of 
real estate in the world that stuck right in front of me. So that would have been crawling with amazing stuff. You know what I mean? And it's, it's so, only not, it's, un, it, it's only not um, a complete tragedy and waste if it may be replica, you know, that example can be used somewhere else. Yeah, then, you yeah, know, yeah. You but, just need that, it's always that first one, and it? You just need yeah. that first example. Yeah. Go, look, this is how it works, and then people, I'm sure people would much prefer that than this just sort of like bank of turf. Well, I mean, it, it, you, know. you know, there's a, there, there'll be an aesthetic to it, but the aesthetic will be equally as good as covering it in topsoil, definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you're, if you're driving down a road, it's not like you're walking around it as a, you know, a country garden. Yeah. Uh, but the aesthetic will still be good. And there is an there is examples. I mean, there's a guy, amazing guy called Phil Sterling, um, yeah. who works for the uh, Butterfly Trust now. But he was he was uh, involved in the local government in um, in Dorset, and he managed when they 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 put a, a bypass in in Weymouth, I think it was, and he managed to that was chalk there, so it's all on chalk. So they scraped the bank back, and it was all just pure chalk, no soil on. And uh, he managed to get them to stop putting the topsoil back on. So now, now, lo and behold, 10 years later, that's become, it's got something like 26 species of butterfly and orchid. And got, I mean, it's just become an incredible site for wildlife. And, yeah. of course, the maintenance costs are so much less because the cool. vegetation growth is so much yeah. less. So, you know, well, I was talking to him the other day, and I mean, you know, as you can hear, I can talk all right, but me and Phil were like, <laughs> <laughs> we were just like, we just like found someone in the world that was talking the same language. It was like a whole kind of, it was like a, I don't know, it was a bug fest, basically. Yeah. And so, so that's lovely. So he's, a, and he's got some, he's starting to make some inroads, Phil, because he's got, a, a, you know, a, a history of this and he's got much, you know, he's got influence now. So I'm really hoping that with, um, with me, so you know, I'd love to be able to help this process, and it feels certainly pushing it forward. And um, yeah. that that might be, uh, you know, that something might happen through that. I, think. I mean, it, just you said the maintenance. I mean, it's often occurred to me. I've seen so many when you're driving along, so many like um, signs and things, and you can't see them because of all the they've all overgrown around them. And you, yeah. I've always thought, why they why they put grass and plants like why they put these things right next yeah. to, you know, why don't they just take yeah. something a bit clear around it so they haven't got exactly. to keep cutting it back? It don't make any sense, yeah. does it? it? It doesn't. And of course, the thing is, you could it, it, you could do it in one way and think, well, they could just put a hard surface down there that would stop the maintenance. Well, that's that's kind of a halfway point. But if we put um, brownfield materials down. The, 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 the vegetate and become, they become incredibly important for wildlife and yeah. they do the job of maintenance as well, you see. And what the reason they're good is because the whole rest of the embankment will be topsoil sh- uh, shrubs and trees mostly. But yeah. you're creating the big thing about when, when you say biodiversity, the, the key is in the diversity. So you only get biodiversity if you have diversity in the landscape. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's bloody obvious, really, isn't it, Stu? And, and, you know, it's yeah. to everyone. But we get an embankment that's graded the same, that's completely rolled out flat, and it's covered in all the same material. So we, yeah. we get no diversity of landscape, do we? We just get the same. And if you have the same landscape everywhere, you get a very much narrower bunch of wildlife. And if you had piles of rubble, Sandbank, topsoil, shrubs, meadow, flowers, 
water, yeah. you know, all these things. If you, if you put all those together, so that's in effect what we've been trying to do in the garden. And, and our, our mate James, the entomologist, he, he calls it like an entomologist theme park here. Because what he says is, <laughs> he gets all the he gets all the habitats he wants, right? He gets all the yeah. habitats he wants. And he can come in and have an ice cream and a cup of tea and coffee. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Like a, it's like a little kind of playground for him. But, uh, but, what we're, but, but because we've got space and because we're lucky to have the room here, we can trial all this stuff. And, and that's what yeah. we've been doing probably for the last 15, 20 years is just keep trying stuff. And, and thinking, just, I think because I've had no horticultural training at all, or no training actually in, in anything at all, um, yeah. I think sometimes that, that frees you up slightly and you just think, well, why do we need topsoil? Why do we need compost? Yeah. In, in, to, I mean, I'm not saying for food growing and for other things, but no, for but wildlife and for, 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 for ecology, you don't need it, mostly. And, and, uh, and I've, I've seen you, it. Sorry. Yeah, no, go on, sir. I was just going to say, I've seen it as well. And you, you would think it's just a mismatch of different... But once you see it all... How it all flows and blends together, you know, it's 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 a it's breathtaking. You know, it really is is it's a feast for the eyes. You know, so well, I think yeah, I think what what we try to do here is because because I want the developers to start looking at this as a, as a, as a landscape that's going to appeal to their, the people that are buying their houses. So around closer to the house here, that we've we've designed the landscape. So in other words, we've gardened it to an extent, yeah. right? You know, I'm not suggesting that you, you just walk away from the landscape because you don't entirely. Yeah. So we've tried to garden the landscape nearer the house just so that we can get developers here, hopefully, and say, look, this is the sort of landscape you could get with very low maintenance, a certain amount of maintenance, but very low maintenance, and you're producing tons of biodiversity, you know? So, so there's an aesthetic. You've got to create an aesthetic, and, 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 and it's, it's arrogant, arrogance, huge arrogance to, to, to expect to roll up on, into somewhere where people live, like, for instance, the housing estate that we looked after, and say, oh, here you go, this is what you need. You need loads of, you need biodiversity. Um, but we're going to leave it all. It's going to look a bit shit all winter, but it's good for yeah. the bugs, so don't worry. Don't worry, we know what's best for you. You just, you just look at it yeah. from your house. That's the ultimate arrogance, and it's never, ever going to work. Uh, no. So... But there's an, there's an easy balance, and people love that balance between cared for and slightly neater-looking places and slightly wilder places. And yeah. I'm not talking about motorway embankments here, but for, for, for places around where people live, those crucial bits of, you know, those bits of grass out, those little bits of grass outside people's places on housing estates that are just yeah. mown every two weeks, they are such an important place to change because they're right, you know, we spend all our money on parks. I mean, again, guessing because they're used by a certain demographic a bit more, so there's a bit more money goes at those. We should be changing the, the, the bits of grass and the bits of ground right outside where people live, especially on public house, because the potential to make them decent places to live and to design them in a way that suits the people that live there is crucial. And I mean, we, we, we found this with the food thing on the estate, for instance. We made the classic, I made the classic white middle-class mistake of rolling up on the estate and thinking, oh yeah, we should have food. People would love fruit okay. trees. So, so of course, I started to plant, we started to plant apples and pears and 
you know, the usual stuff that my granddad and what I'd been used to. Well, of course, there's a huge proportion of people on our state from the Kurdish, Turkish community, Cypriot. You know, they, weren't, they didn't want apples and pears. They wanted oh. medlars and figs and grapevines. Yeah. They wanted something that had some meaning to them, obviously, like we all would. So when we eventually, and it took us a few years to, again, to get this in our head, when we started to obviously um, talk and understand that more, we started to just plant those um, plants. Well, then people were out harvesting the, the, the grape leaves to dolma. They, were, they, 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 they love medlars, which is a fruit that we never really eat here very much. No. But they love them. So, that, you know, and, and figs and all those other things that, 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 that make sense to people. So that was a crucial lesson for me in, in designing landscapes for the people that are actually living there rather than some um, general list of plants that you normally see there. Yeah. And it's then there again, it's it's taking the ear defenders off and listening to the people and it you know, it goes back to it that is. again. It is, it is. And and, and uh, now, you know, I mean obviously <laughs> don't get me wrong, I don't want to give the impression in any way that it was like some sort of utopia Exactly. And and of course you're never gonna get you know, there's no way you're gonna be able to do something that suits everyone. Yeah. But oh you get someone more proof. Look at the bloody state of this. What do you think this is? Exactly. That's the other that's the other reason for being able to talk to people. You 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 must have found this a science too, is that you, if, you, if you get conflict and, and anger builds up because people can't, they feel like they can't talk to anyone or, or they feel like they're not being listened to. And that, yeah. as soon as you just have a chance to talk to someone and understand, and we had this happen to us on the estate once, and again, it was a real lesson for me where we had trees given to us. You know, this happens all the time. You always get money for trees. Of course, you don't get money to look after them afterwards, but you get money for trees. <laughs> and um, we, we leafleted one of the blocks and said look we've got these trees and, and we're thinking here what do you think and we had a little meet up and the consensus was that the trees were going to be a good thing so we all came out and planted the trees and then within a week or two weeks there was a huge furore from the other other sector of the people that lived there that didn't want the trees um, right. but for some reason didn't turn up at the first meeting I don't know or I was or I'd been very poor in communicating one of the two so we had another meeting and we met up with everyone who was fed up about the trees and didn't want them. And then we decided, the consensus was by then, that people didn't want the trees. Now, so I said to the, I said to, to the people who were there, right, that's fine. If, if you don't want them here, that's absolutely fine. We're going to move them. And the, the, the guy looked at me, and I still remember this really distinctly. He looked at me and said, no, you won't. I said to him, and I, and I had to look at him back, in the, and I had to really be clear about it. I said, yes, I will. <laughs> Because he had been so used to many, so many years of people basically saying, all right, then we'll do that, or all right, yeah. And yeah. then nothing happened. So that was an incredibly important lesson. And we moved the trees to somewhere else on this estate that, that did want them. And we ended up sort of being friends with the people that didn't want them and to an extent with the people that did want them. Yeah. We sort of, you know, we, we, it, it gave us a chance to talk to that part of the community wouldn't come out and plant a tree necessarily but wanted to have a say over their green space and that was a real you know that was a real lesson yeah um, and uh, not an uh, easy thing 
It's not an easy thing, no. Oh. It's not, Stu. But, but, it, no. but it gets easier the more you have chance to talk to people. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a, yeah, and, and it's the same of anything going on in the world at the moment. It's that as soon as you break down the communication, yeah. everything stops. And if you can open exactly. it up somehow, you know, yeah. you get a chance to change and grow. You do. And, and of course, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the whole road rage thing. And the reason people get so yeah. angry in their car is because they can't get out of the car, walk over to someone and say, look, I didn't mean to actually cut you up. This is what yeah. happened, really. And then the yeah. other guy can say, oh, OK, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's what's happened. And that happens on, especially on, I think, on, on, on within social housing and with a lot of um, those sort of areas where people really don't feel like they're being listened to. And uh, they, they, they often get people roll up on their estate and tell them, really, yeah. we know best for you and and that's that's crucial that we don't fall into that trap all the time yeah. no well I've, I mean that's thrown by was that we talked for five minutes like you know we're in the air mark I have to try and keep, for me producer say I have to try and keep it to the air don't I was like, oh, but um, I'm going to really I'm going to put all the links to your your um, website on and I'm going to thoroughly urge people to come to, to get on the website and have a look um, and I know you know you welcome um, questions and things and, and people really need to get this message out that you know it, it's about it's about what we do after it's not about what yeah. we do at the time it you is. know like I've, I've got that from you and I can I can imagine all of these spaces and you know, but please go. You know, you go to this website, have a look, see what can be done. And this is you're talking about stuff that ends up, as you said, has, has to be put in lorries and taken away. You know, this yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. is, uh, and this stuff isn't fantastic effect. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not expensive. If you change a, a maintenance contract, that's a tiny tweak. It's not an expensive yeah. thing. You don't need grand gestures. You really don't. No. You know. No. Well, the most effective things are simple anyway, so, you yeah. know, it's just getting yeah. people to listen to them. Well, Absolutely. John, thank you so much. I mean, um, and you. I, I've just, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't start talking about No, 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 no. Well, listen, I wanted to hear about this, and I want people to hear about it, because it's such important, you know, as you say, that there's not, there's not everyone doing it, and um, the more people get to know about it, uh, the, the more people that push for change. Um, yeah. And I think it's incredibly important, and I've, I bought into it very early on from what you, you know. And the thing is, my podcast is about interesting people and special people, and the fact of your passion in what you do makes you that. So, uh, you know, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, John. And um, I can't wait to visit the garden again. <laughs> All right, my friend. I'll see you soon, yeah? See you soon. Thank you. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling. <laughs>